cricket, though, I remember it's the only sport that I played at school where I was actually bored. I remember fielding and like I was in some fielding position that was like it was like in a different part of the school. And I just literally stood there for the whole lesson. Baseball is so fucking slow. And cricket is even slower than that because you have a game that lasts over four or five days. And yet baseball seems slower. Well, test match cricket goes on for a week and then it's a fucking draw. Yeah. Just absolute bullshit. Yeah, but you have to go along and be drunk. Well, baseball. But you can like you can go take a shit during a baseball game and you've missed nothing. Nothing. It's the beauty of it. Uh, America's number one sport. <laughs> we got to design a game where you can shit in the seat so they can still buy food. No, let's just give them baseball. That's I was, great. Um, I was telling Tim I've become obsessed almost with watching YouTube videos of just baseball clips where it's the uh, head coach just going ape shit at the umpire. Because <laughs> no, it's I... like there's like a culture to baseball of the when the coach goes up into the umpire's face where it's like protocol is you have to get ejected from the game. Yeah, you're not, you're Otherwise, not a good coach unless you yeah, go ape shit. You didn't stand Wait. up for your team until unless the umpire chucked you out. First time I ever saw baseball was on not Naked Gun. Yeah, Naked Gun is the one where the, they're going to blow up the queen. Yeah, at the baseball I must game. kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The queen. With Ryan Julia. <laughs> they're not quite like that. The umpires, they're not that bad. I know, but it was like the first time I ever saw baseball on anything other than hearing about it. To what I can remember from my childhood, build it and they will come. Field of Dreams? Field of Dreams! And the woman's team. Oh, the one about the women's oh, baseball team. Oh, yeah, with Tom Hanks as Madonna. Their, their, yeah. their own. Yeah, Madonna, yeah, yeah, she was and a, yeah. Tom Hanks as their coach. A league of their own. Oh. That's it, yeah, yeah. They're the two... Um, with what's oh, her name? Gina, what's her face? Ginger. Amazingly attractive woman. That's what I have to say about uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah. Like, you know how there's like, Sophia Loren is like in her own God level tier of attractiveness. Nothing will, no one will ever be as attractive as Sophia I mean, Loren. Which is a very pretty face. Margot Robbie's up there. She's close. Yeah, she's got a very she's nice, very close, symmetrical face. She is beautiful. They tried to make her ugly in I, Tonya, do you know what I mean? Like, makeup wise, they definitely tried to I'll make her you, look like working class trash. I've always noticed that girls with big noses have really nice asses. You're That's talking about Jews there, aren't you? <laughs> That's your correlation. Is, she, it? is that where you're going with this? No. No. no like, they've they've oh, got wide, wide nostrils. nostrils. That's why like, they're great at long distance like, running. Like a big, a big nose. It's suddenly just yeah, you're, cut, you're cutting out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the racism field to turn yeah, itself on. Why is this? that one? I think that's what's going to happen if if I say anything racist. It just does. That oh, now. yeah, that might be what it is. That's brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 6 of the Ill-Informed Insight Podcast. I'm Tom, and today I'm joined by Tim. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. And Hyman is here. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Homo? Hey, I'm all right. And later on in this episode, we'll be giving our reviews of Black Panther and I, Tonya. But before that, there's worrying developments at Google that could have wider negative consequences for free speech. And kicking us off, it's an insidious threat from an alleged former communist informant. In the last few days, the Sun, the Mail, the Telegraph, the Express have all gone a little bit James Bond. They've found a former Czechoslovakian spy whose claims are increasingly wild and entirely false. He seems to believe I kept him informed about what Margaret Thatcher had for breakfast and says he was responsible for either Live Aid or the Mandela concert, or maybe both. It's easy to laugh, but something more serious is happening. 
publishing these ridiculous smears that have been refuted by Czech officials shows just how worried the media bosses are by the prospect of a Labour government. They're right to be. Labour will stand up to the powerful and corrupt and take the side of the many, not the few. A free press is essential for democracy and we don't want to close it down, we want to open it up. At the moment, much of our press isn't very free at all. In fact, it's controlled by billionaire tax exiles. The general election showed the media barons are losing their influence and social media means their bad old habits are becoming less and less relevant. But instead of learning these lessons, they're continuing to resort to lies and smears. Well, we've got news for them. Change is coming. So your absolute boy, Jeremy Corbyn, a.k.a. leader of Her Majesty's Opposition, making what hashtag some say is a thinly veiled threat to the UK's free press. Maybe. Quick question. How long did he wait between the article coming out article in the loosest sense of the word yeah all right and then releasing this about a week and a half maybe about half a week half a week and you, you say releasing this which is the right word to use because it is just as this it's not a retraction or a deny he doesn't actually oh, deny- come on it was when he was saying at the beginning about like i was giving away thatcher's secrets he's obviously being no, no. he goes to the extreme he created a hyperbole to going like yeah what did i do oh did i did i do this and this yeah, that's crazy it doesn't matter if you actually listen to what he says he doesn't actually deny meeting this person come on. why doesn't he actually address well no i think he pe- said he, he i think he's admitted yes he's met three times with this czech guy i mean basically to give the backstory what sparked all this off was obviously the story in the sun newspaper about how jeremy corbyn back in the mid 80s met with a czech czechoslovakian diplomat back in a time where czechoslovakia was obviously a soviet satellite controlled by the kremlin the question is was corbyn an informant to a soviet spy can i say it sickens me that i'm defending the sun <laughs> go on no just in in the sense that there it, it may not be reporting but it was certainly an incident happened and that's basically the trick of what the sun does shock media that's all the sun is it's not good it's fucking shit media they're a little dodgy is that what you're saying like no i'm saying it's dodgy, but i'm saying it, i can imagine it happening so it's a shock it's what, what you said it, the story is it, it's a shock media it's like a, a shock story yeah it's like someone farting in a fucking they're lift saying you should be saying you're like where are the smell coming from okay okay smells are bad but you can sort of see where they're coming from they're saying Maybe you should be slightly concerned that someone who might be potentially the next prime minister of this country, he's actually got quite a good chance of being the next prime minister. It's worth knowing a bit about his his background. Now, we've, we've heard all about Theresa May running through fields of wheat and, you know, that's like the naughtiest thing she ever did. But people have been interested. I think what Corbyn hasn't done, he's just gone on an attack on the press. He hasn't addressed people's concerns. People might be concerned just like, why did you meet this person? Yeah, it's like... Um, people People accuse him of being... People have called him a terrorist ass licker for <laughs> being friends with Jerry Adams and that. But you cannot obviously say he wanted to create a dialogue in this situation that was affecting our country. All right, yeah. So you can say that. Northern Ireland, England, fair enough. Okay, Czechoslovakia. There, yeah. there was something called the um, Iron Curtain for listeners who are too young to remember but there was there was actually a big iron curtain yeah, think, it was about 500 foot tall yeah, across Berlin the whole of Wall. europe and um, they it was like the enemy i don't think he had any sort of knowledge of anything he was a pretty lowly backbencher he's an unassuming guy isn't at he at the time though but in 86 he, he wouldn't have access to any real information of worth 
No, but this is the thing. I think I you think he's going to become leader of the country of the country. I truly believe he is a puppet, a puppet of PR. I think he's right? Seamus Milne's puppet. Whose hand is up his ass then? Seamus well, no, Milne, his no, communication. You're going to call yeah. someone a puppet. You have to name the puppeteer. I can't name the puppeteer. Oh, what can, unite I, union? No, Len he, he is the example of to say yeah. the youth saying, "Oh, we're all left wing, and we need a left wing example." He, yeah, he is useless as a leader, but he is a great puppet, an example of actually the UK mm. has two sides to it. Yeah, he's he's a totem that people can gather yeah, around. To- isn't totem, he? okay, maybe not puppet, totem. but that's a very powerful but, thing. That's like sort of what like Nigel Farage was for the, for the, for the Brexiteers. If but you it's have a giant smokescreen, if you ha- they'll I'm, get rid of him. When it comes to actual voting. But do you think he was actually... The story is he was being vetted by this Czech spy He's for staunch, potentially to ha- set him up as an informant. He is a staunch leftist. He's, he's never stated he hasn't been. So I can kind of imagine that a backbencher that has never had any power... There's more local government than actual big government. And obviously pro-communism. Yeah, pro-communism, all right? But I can see him being, they're testing the water. Why wouldn't you? It's like, it's like when you have Western governments testing out pro-Western ideas back in those times. If you're a communist spy, he's your go-to guy, obviously, like... You, you try and get to him, you yeah. Definitely test the water. Yeah, but the, the 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 fundamental question that he isn't answering, which is the most important question he needs to answer for anyone who has any sort of concern about him. Yeah. Because, like I say, he might be the next prime minister. Mm. I want to know what sort of person he is. And, like, by telling me why he wanted to mix with these people, it tells me a lot about his convictions and the fact that if someone if if his if his fundamental beliefs and convictions they seem diametrically opposed to what we would call the national interest the national interest or the establishment and the more that sort of comes comes out the the, the more this sort of it's not fear but it's like people turned off him i know it's going off topic but what is the national interest anymore well, we, we were obviously in the mid '80s, the Cold War, anti-communist, today, capitalist, today. Western democracy. We, we capitalist. Th- this is capitalist. Captain America. We thawed him out from fucking World War Two type thing. That's what Corbyn is. He is the <laughs> he's, he's the sleeper agent. Yeah. He is a sleeper that came in and he's just hung around long enough. All Completely right? unreconstructed communist from the seventies, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like I said, memories are short, and and youth is a big thing, especially with with. Corbyn and the momentum movement and you see maybe you can argue we've tried something similar in the past like in the 70s under James Callaghan's government we had like three day weeks and apparently Leicester Square was 10 foot deep in rubbish because yeah, the, the, the bin men didn't work for the months. concept of strikes is, yeah. I don't believe in unions well like <laughs> Corbyn's he's he, he says a lot of good things like let's make you know, university education free that'll cost about 10 billion pounds and he's saying he's actually now talking about and to be honest with you, I, I need to, I'd love to be able to afford a house. And he's talking about reclaiming property of people. It's like, it's completely diametrically, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's the complete opposite direction to how this sort of world seems to work. You know, capitalist. Yeah. You're, um, you're kind of alluding to what the real, real story here is, in my opinion, yeah. is that Corbyn always goes off and talks to people who are basically either like, like overtly declared enemies of Britain or people who are basically not our allies. He goes and talks to the enemies of our allies. Corbynistas. Under the guise of, I'm opening up talks. That's what the Corbynistas say. 
in defense of Jeremy Corbyn, right? But it's like he's never gone, he's never brought an Israeli and a Palestinian to the table. He's only ever talked to Hamas. He, to- he talks to the outsider because that's what he was trained in. That's what he is. No, but I'm saying like years of being in politics with no power, he's trained his only power base is to, well, I can go outside because no one's looking at me. There have been, in fairness to Jeremy Corbyn, like the press have come out with some ridiculous attacks against him. Like he didn't bow enough in front of the Queen was one. Well, he's a Republican. Anti-monarchist. Definitely, like, again, yeah. that's like going in completely the opposite direction to what we've all assumed to be the national reality. See, in essence, I kind of think that's a bullshit thing to pick up on. Having It's an easy stick to beat him with, isn't it? Yeah, if you're say... like a British nationalist person he's like you don't like the queen (laughs) yeah i mean you know good if you don't like the queen we have the idea of freedom but it's basically given to us from the state and him not bowing enough is just it's fucking sugar-based water it's cheap it's cheap it's It's basically like look 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 it's alarmism perfect word to yeah to a certain extent i think it is i think it's interesting i just want to find out I'd, I'd rather, rather than him get really angry and say, these people, you know, whipping up this story about me, I'd rather him say, like, I cast my mind back 30 years when I met this person and um, Hard to I, do. I was trying to sort of understand, the, you know, what was happening in his country. No, instead he's just, oh, I'm not a spy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he doesn't do himself any favours, Jeremy Corbyn. Like, he basically, he hates the media pretty much and he does, he goes out of his way to avoid doing interviews he does not like being scrutinized by the media okay fair enough some of the attacks against him are fucking ridiculous yeah and this- but some are like hey man how come you only ever talk to people who are pretty much our perceived enemies like- and i never hear him on the sort of i like listening to a lot of talk radio and he resolutely refuses to go on you know some of the, the biggest ones in the country he just just refuses to go on them because he doesn't he doesn't like the cut and thrust mm. of uh, only leadership when it's a leadership election that's the only time he does the mainstream major radio program thing. I've never heard him on LBC, for instance. You hear him on BBC. Bless it. Do you think Corbyn was actually... Does anyone anyone think Corbyn was actually giving away state secrets and things like that? No. So former no, Soviet no. Like, satellites. Like I say, he was he was a backbencher on the on the Labour Party, and he wouldn't really know any state secrets. But there is useful information. Like the guy could he, he took the guy for lunch in the Commons. In right? the Commons. Yeah. So. Oh, you can say that guy's having lunch or maybe you can say tim you're reading too many spy novels but that guy he could have been counting the steps to the lunch room measuring it all up so if ever they had to do something or break in there at night they'd know where the alarms were where the cameras were it's I mean, yeah, you never you, know and like it's just knowledge is power in in the world of espionage but then again looking at the other side the spy network having simply just cultivated an idea with someone in politics that's good enough for them to kind of go, oh, we're doing something. Doing our job, basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they don't have to get results. They don't have to get any major results. But they can show... I mean, again, they have boxes to tick. Oh, yeah. Do you know, even if Corbyn was selling secrets, I can say I don't give a fuck because the, the Czech what? government the Czech government of that era doesn't exist anymore. That whole process okay, was right, destroyed. Yeah, right, yeah, so just, oh, just everything went to Moscow. Removing the whole selling secrets thing, let's just remove the whole actual act of spycraft. I'm just interested in... Why are you on the other side, it seems? Oh, we should point out, just a few hours before we started recording, Conservative MP Ben Bradley, he tweeted out, he's basically convinced Jeremy Corbyn is a communist spy, not a paid informant. He went the whole way and said, yeah, he's actually a spy. He's now retracted that. He's apologised in full. Well, again, what use is that today? 
other than help Ben Bradley. I think like, he's going to get sued for it. Yeah. I think they've, they've asked him well, to make a large donation. That's why he's done this. He's definitely spoken to a lawyer who said, yeah, you just committed libel, yeah. bruv. So either the story is complete bullshit or Corbyn has complete cast iron he... plausible deniability, which no is one... like standard for spycraft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Corbyn, like, um, well, not Corbyn, but Labour have come out and said, yeah, listen, check spies, whoever the officials are today in charge of like the archives of all the records and everything they they're saying no this is nonsense jeremy corbyn was never a paid informant he was never a spy yes. for us yeah but ben bradley but, coming out and saying this it builds his profile i mean you may say oh it's a negative thing he'll get charged or something like that but he is now on the playing field people recognize his name now i'm pretty sure there's rules about you cannot formally accuse an honourable member of the house of being a foreign spy and then just retract it and go, oh, sorry. I don't know. The, think, the old standard. Think, I, I, think. I, I imagine that's more like an unsaid rule. I'm pretty, I bet you there is some sort of rule. Because it's like in the House of Commons, they cannot accuse each other of being immoral in any way. Like the Speaker of the House, John Burke, would be like, oh, you need to... Uh... But he didn't accuse him in, this, in the House. Well, yeah, true, but... Still, it's such Again, poor in form. the house is different to outside of the house. In the house means fuck all anymore. To force a resignation these days is like the bar's really high. Do either of you guys really think this will actually affect him negatively at all? Because I think no. with people who, who are behind him, they're just behind him now. Oh, and yeah, no, it, no. It, no, well, no matter it's, what, it's just like, yeah, who cares? It's, it's He's the only alternative we have. It's religious-based politics nowadays. And I'm not saying, like, a god or anything like that. I'm talking about, like, this fervent idea of going, like, I have to believe in something, because originally believing in nothing get, brought nothing. I think it's, It doesn't um, work like that. It's like sports teams. Yeah, when you're watching a game between your team and another team, when bad calls, like when the referee, umpire, whatever, makes bad calls that go your team's way, you are like, oh, that was a good call. But if it was the same call that went in your opponent team's favor, exact same scenario, like, oh, fuck that referee, do you know what I mean? It's a complete confirmation bias. Externally, it is support your team. No matter Cause, what. Yeah, because there is no public discourse anymore. That is only, I've said my piece. I'm not taking any questions. Everyone knows we've said what we said. That is open dialogue. We've thrown information out at you. And you, the audience, should have taken it all in and weighed it up in your head because you're adults. Stump but, speeches. Yeah. Now, do you remember uh, we did an old podcast called The Tom, Dick, and Hyman Show? Oh, that was terrible. And we did an episode about Jeremy Corbyn and um, his advocacy group Momentum. And they came out and said, yeah, we're going to be more Trumpian, more Trump-like in regards to how we address the media. Yeah, more Trump-like in the sense of it's a hit and run. It's tapping into a fashionable current phenomena of where almost everybody distrusts the mainstream media. Well, it's like cutting the media out completely. It's like cut out the middleman. We just tweet you directly. Subscribe to me. That's what he did with this video. This like that clip that we played at the beginning was from his own YouTube channel, like an actual official Jeremy Corbyn YouTube channel. Yeah, and he just released it quietly, like like you say, bypassing the press. But that's that's kind of his problem. Like Tony Blair was really good in a Bill Clinton mold of getting out second in command, who was in PR for years, Alistair Campbell. Yeah, they knew how to manipulate the media, how to get out in front of a story before any journalist can even form a narrative on it. Exactly, and they would respond swiftly if something wasn't going their way. Jeremy Corbyn doesn't do that at all. But then, ultimately, you're looking at the question of who do people trust? No one trusts politics. Mm. No one trusts media. But everyone is passive for this information to flow to them. But at the core of them, they don't trust it. So it's like a jaded person just kind of going like, yeah, this is the only information I get. They hate watching shit. 
cynicism. Nothing gets done with this cynicism. And that is, I feel like we've been trained to be like that because the more we're cynical, the less we get involved. Nothing can disappoint us. Hyman, yeah. Tom, that's a very cynical mindset. That's us. Yeah, well, that's I, awesome, I don't yeah. trust anything you say. <laughs> in, in the age of like, I keep coming back to the internet. It's, it's changed everything. But like so many things have been shown to be bullshit now and fake and people have become cynical through experience and that's and all this cynicism has fueled is me based politics how does it affect me exactly how does it affect me even me based yeah me based capitalism has affected me based politics even more we demand everything is tailored to us that's why you're having even more like fractured parties I would be. I would not be surprised if the Labour Party starts fracturing. I would not be surprised. They won't. And not after what happened in the eighties. SDP. Do you remember? They won't do it. Are you sure? With the only with, the Tories would have to ex- implode. Do you know the, before Labour implodes? Uh, guys, both could implode because of because of Brexit. Brexit. That's that's gonna anyway, that's gonna keep it's not fucking up politics every couple of months. All right. That's another. No, I said um, a couple of years ago, Momentum and Corbyn, they came out saying we're going to be more Trumpian, more Trump-like in attacking the media. Sorry, Moment- Momentum is the name of the group? Yeah, they're okay. Jeremy Corbyn advocacy. Ah, okay, cool. Trump has been routinely criticised for talking about hashtag fake news and attacking the media, and both the right-leaning and left-leaning members of the UK press have condemned this as like a cynical populist strategy to the extent he's even been compared to like current and previous authoritarian dictators however definitely looks like a mugabe when it comes to corbyn in this video i've noticed the uk left-leaning press have like done a kind of 180 in terms of saying well yeah he's yeah corbyn's right he's right to be attacking the media like this and it's like hold on man if this was like if farage had come out and said the exact same thing done the exact same video yeah I think like a lot of Guardian columnists and whatever you would be like, oh my God, this is attacking exactly the same as Trump. Like he's attacking the free press. He's an authoritarian scum. But Corbyn is com- completely, completely wrong on this, this thing with the press. Talking about billionaires, you know, or billionaires shouldn't own a newspaper. Well, if the newspaper is really fucking popular, it's going to make billions of pounds and the people who make it are going to be billionaires. And if you're going to have free market you have free press as part of a free market you know a free market is like anyone can take a risk set up a business and say this is the news well he's not entirely wrong that right-wing billionaires do own a lot of the press but they don't own it outright there are still left-leaning newspapers the guardian is still quite the guardian well circulated especially at the bbc yeah wait isn't the whole dictum the press is right wing but the editors are left no the The, columnists the the, journalists the, the, the journalists are left and the editors are right. Tends to be, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's such an old school idea. Well, Corbyn's more referring to the owners. Like, the editors don't even matter. Yeah, the proprietor, yeah. you got Paul Dacker, right wing. Barclays Brothers, right wing. What, uh, Rupert say? Murdoch, right wing. When, but this whole right wing, I think, is just another word for capital. Can you be a left wing capitalist? Yeah, of course you can. Not a successful one. That's what I'm talking about, just this fucking logic and nature. Like I mean, a newspaper owner I mean, is more likely to be right-wing. The, I mean, I, I think just people tend to forget the concept of there's right-wing, and there's right-wing fiscally, and there's right-wing mo- and socially. You almost said morally. Yeah, I did. Like social conservative, but yeah, fiscally exactly. liberal and whatever. Yeah. That's very do- dodgy ground morally, because then you'll say <laughs> a left-wing person is just better. But Hyman, you know kind of the history of how 
they used to be almost equal left wing newspapers to right wing newspapers like a hundred years ago. So, and then like the no, right, they're, they're, they've all been owned by rich people, even right? the left wing ones. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Even the Guardian is owned by a consortium. No, not the Guardian. Um, the Express. Yeah, owned by a consortium of rich people. All right, they will always get the editorial across. It's when they start cutting off like coverage from Africa or the Asia desk and stuff like that, and when they start having more opinion pieces than they do actual reporting. There's too much of a reliance these days on um, round tables, Reuters, Associated Press. Like you let them do all the legwork, and then you just regurgitate what Pretty they much, put out yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Like, journalists don't have the time. There aren't enough journalists around to really do proper journalism anymore. The news cycle is too fast anyway for people's attention span to get stuck into stories. You know, like an ongoing trial. You won't follow that for a week. Yeah, you couldn't have like an OJ, could you? Not unless it was someone massive. Like Philip Schofield murdered. Gordon the Gopher. So I think um, trying to put into real world terms what jeremy corbyn was saying there about change is coming obviously he's talking about a labor government getting elected but in the context of press regulations because i think that's basically what jeremy corbyn's getting at he's saying when labor comes in my labor government comes in we're going to introduce new regulations but again it's who watches the watchman the people regulating who does he appoint to regulate them yeah because there isn't actually a government body that regulates newspapers at the moment that's it's self-regulation I know, but then i mean broadcasting has ofcom but ofcom is fucking yeah. useless what you guys are talking about essentially is a filter and it's completely disgusting what do you mean a censorious yeah are you saying let the market be yes that's why I think um, a free press is an essential part of free market capitalism. They're inextricably linked. And the more free the press, the more capitalism. But I would like to see um, more money going into local press, because that's basically just disappeared off the face of the earth. And there's, there is a sort of a kind of false hegemony of everyone's middle class, everyone wants middle class news that's tailored to middle class tastes, if you will. Do you think the press are really afraid after the phone hacking scandal? They basically got away with it, didn't they? Like, Rebecca Brooks still works in Fleet Street. She's still high up there. Rupert Murdoch's right-hand woman. Like, did they? Do you think they're worried that, like, oh, my God, we only just got away with this last time? If Corbyn comes in, we're fucked. No, the news will perpetually push the boundaries as much as it can. Well, uh, it can get away with. Yeah, of course it will. All right? It'll do what it can up until the breaking point. Of course it will. Here's what I think Corbyn is actually likely going to do. For the time being, I think he's only going to really talk about changing libel laws. Because the difference between the UK and American libel laws, in America, you have to prove that it was a falsehood, what this journalist wrote about you, that it cost you, it harmed you in some financial sense. And you also have to show, you have to basically prove that they intentionally libeled you that they knowingly lied about you and that's almost virtually intention is the main hardest thing to prove oh my god yeah to any sort of reasonable degree in the uk you just have to show it was a falsehood and like really low bar in terms of showing that it financially harmed you that's why americans will come over to sue another american in a uk court But, but but then you can see why corbyn hates the press billionaires can't you you can see why he hates them, because obviously when it comes to a libel case, you can you can take it from the case, OK, someone's been wronged, they deserve some cash. But then you can take it from the other case where it's like someone doesn't want a story to get out and they can like drag you through court. And unless you're a billionaire, you, there's no point sort of 
going with this story again mm. so maybe press billionaires are a good well, thing that might be one of corbyn's they can points. afford the libel cases that might be one of corbyn's points that rich people can afford the super injunction yeah like, but it works the other way around as well but the, poor the, people can't yeah but it works the other way around as well like the the newspapers wanting to print something but they can't for fear of being sued if they've got a lot of money behind them they can just go ahead and print it i don't think it's just the right-wing press barons who are afraid I think Corbyn's right to say that, yeah, a lot of the right-wing press barons are afraid of his Labour government coming in. I don't think the press are the only ones I think are, anyone with a bank account this is what I was should about be to afraid. Say. <laughs> That's what I'm about to say. Like, anyone John, owns property. <laughs> John McDonnell moving into number 11 as Corbyn's... Chancellor of the Exchequer. Being in control of the UK economy, essentially. Being, well, a, a large factor in it. I think, like, um, I mean, I've been reading a lot from, like, city insiders who are saying if mcdonald becomes the chancellor fdi foreign development investment is just going to dry up overnight the idea like they're going to be thinking in britain you can't make a profit anymore because it's going full-blown socialist well they're going to renational they want to renationalize everything the only socialist governments that make money are the ones with natural resources china russia they have natural resources they can do what they want with it venezuela's hurting right now oh yeah venezuela's fucked their resource were resource rich. I don't know if they still yeah. are. The no, corruption no, 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 might have taken depleted. care of that. We were actually just talking about the press. We weren't. We weren't. That, yeah, the got, fact. The fact what, we were saying the future prime minister might be like diametrically opposed to everything this country, all our allies, has stood for for the last thousand years, <laughs> for good or worse. That's not an issue we should talk about. It, you know, instead we should talk about you know Lord Dacre and all these. You know, newspaper barons. I stand by the idea that when it comes to an actual election, Corbyn will be forced out and they will use the good press and the momentum with the young people that they got with Corbyn. He'll be stuck in a second in command position and they will get someone else that they can, they want to actually push forward. Diane Abbott. Jesus. Yeah, fucking God, no. We go now from a potential threat to the freedom of the press to a potential threat to both the sanity and employment status of Google engineers. One, two in ten workers at Google are women. Now, you're one of the highest ranking women at Google. What's the problem of this I call it, everyone talks about Silicon Valley as a meritocracy. I see it as a mirrortocracy, meaning white guys look at each other and hire each other, essentially. I think the problem is is that computer science as a whole and, and tech as a whole has a reputation of being a very geeky male industry. And so if you look you know, not within the industry, but just at the educational pipeline, you see that we only have 20% of women graduating with computer science degrees. That That's a problem in and of itself because it means we don't have enough people graduating um, who have those degrees. And if you say, well, well, why is that? I think it has to do with this uh, perception that the computer industry is... Uh, a geeky, not very interesting, not social industry, and the it just that was YouTube CEO Susan. What what's your key? What's your, what key? I uh, hate Polish names. Susan. Ex- 
It was Susan explaining that one of the reasons there are more men working in Silicon Valley than women is because there are more men with relevant qualifications, i.e. degrees in computer science. So there's a bigger pool of men to choose from. Again, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy on that one. The irony here is, if you recall a little while ago, the infamous James Damore Google memo where he was fired... The, the irony is, like, he was fired for saying one of the things he said was exactly what that YouTube CEO Sarah or whatever he said. He wrote the exact same thing. There's a bigger pool of men to employ from, so your company, like your computer engineer company, whatever, is going to have more men in it as a result of that. I mean, who is she to talk? She works in business. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is really misogynistic. This got real misogynistic real quick. No, there. no, no. Who the no. fuck is she to talk? She works on the management side of tech. She probably knows a thing or two, though. She may know enough. She's talking from her side of hiring people. Yeah. She's not talking from... I, I promise you, there is just as many women working at Google and working in the management side or in any tech industry. No, management, not not computer tech. Are you saying 50-50 parity men and women, the same number, like equal numbers? Business studies has as much women as it does men okay, studying yeah. it. Right. right, oh, right, business management kind of courses. Yes, okay, and right, management, yeah, yeah. not technology, all right? right? The problem I have with this, all right, yeah, there isn't enough women working in the actual physical sciences of technology. Yeah. But they're not STEM offered, in general. Yeah, yeah. They're not offered the opportunity. And okay, this is a social issue more than it is an actual opportunity. I think issue. they're offered. They, they are offered opportunities. Like when I whenever no, I see, but, um, but, hold on, wait, wait. Whenever I see anything for like uh, apply for this STEM course, blah blah blah, it's always a woman that's in the picture. It's not a case of like women don't have the opportunity to go into it. No, they do. But, but they are trained at a young age to see there's still a sexist based idea. And fuck it. If you train a child at a doll is for a girl and a truck is for a boy, that extrapolates out from that. This is the kind of crux of the issue here. That's not training and we know it's not because it's like the the experiment with monkeys and chimpanzees has been done over and over again where you take a newborn male chimp newborn female chimp you put them in the middle of a room and on one side of the room are soft toys the kind of toys normally associated associated with human girls and on the other side are hard toys normally associated with human boys and far more often than not the male chimp goes for the hard toys the female chimp goes for the soft ones it's not socialization well no not entirely anyway no Boys and girls like different things. Oh, controversial. Oh, could lose your job. Lean, lean towards. Don't like. Like no, is no, a no, no. Like is a no, no, no. A propensity lean, for. Propensity what what for. is the job? What is the job? It's what you spend your time doing. It's not sexist to say men and women are different. Ooh. Men and women Ooh. are fundamentally different. Women and women Ooh, are, the, are the complete opposite <gasps> of each other. Oh, no, that's not true. It is. I, do you know, if you come down to the fundamental forces of the universe, yin and yang, fucking Taoism. No, I, don't, I don't think it's complete opposites. It's, there's, there's, there's a seed. Complementary, yeah, there's little seeds each. They're you, not complete opposites. But you have to accept the fact that the whole, the whole, the whole reason everything works is, is, is because they're different. We're different from each other. You know, it's, you need to have... There's variation. Do you know what I mean? There's enough variation and enough men and women to be able to say, okay, this is the average for men. This is the average for women. There's a slight variation between the two. Do you know what I mean? And that's all James Damore, which I desperately need to get back to. James Damore, he basically wrote part of what his memo was like. It was it's exactly the same as what the YouTube CEO was saying. The point is, there's a real, like, we live in the era of double think. 
like the standard now, of, which has been set, which I think is quite clear. Uh, if a man says that, that the reason why there's less women in this field is because there's less women qualified who have like the PhDs and the degrees and whatever you like, if there are more men with the relevant qualification, yeah, that field of work is going to be male dominated. If a man says that, he has to be fired. <laughs> if a woman says it, not, not, still not comfortable, still Mate. not entirely comfortable with it, but maybe it's okay. Maybe she shouldn't lose her income. Maybe it wasn't because he was a man. Maybe it was just because he was the first one to say it publicly. And that's, that's often the way these things work. Someone will put their head above the parapet. Yeah, the parapet, first guinea pig to die. Boom, it will get shot off. I don't think maybe gender was an issue there. Or maybe she's the CEO. Mm, power dynamic. I just think if people get too caught up in the, the it, it, intricacies of things that don't need to be intricate. Like you say, you talk about, I think there's just more men interested in that subject. And you can encourage women to be interested in that subject, and they should try and encourage women to be interested. But they have been for a while now, and it's not working. That's the point. Like what I was going to say earlier, Scandinavia, yeah, nowhere more egalitarian than Scandinavia. Girls are not told what they're supposed to be, yeah, at all, but and they still have gender stereotypes. They've done it, everything they can to erase gender stereotypes, and they're still stubbornly but, but there. I, but I feel sorry for for the modern woman because, like. It's almost like she's being made to feel bad if she's, or like she's being forced to do stuff that she's not interested in, you know? That's that, doesn't, that doesn't fundamentally fulfill her as a person, you know? That's what they did in um, communist China, was basically force women. They were like, basically, this is too male dominated. We're all about equality as in gender parity. So we're going to tell you, you're going to go off and study this and you're going to work in that field of study for the rest of your lives. And like suicide, female suicide rates exploded. It was just like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to know how to fix cars. I don't want to know how to program a virus to attack America's nuclear power stations. So James Damore has got, at the moment, he's got a lawsuit pending against Google, but he also had like a, a federal complaint akin to like a, a wrongful dismissal claim and a lawyer for the federal government has written a memo of his own saying actually we agree the government agrees with google's position that it was right to fire james damore even though the contents of his memo were technically like 90 to 95 percent accurate base yeah exactly he emotionally upset his co-workers and on that on those grounds his free speech rights, what he said was not protected speech. So it was okay for Google to fire him. Bullshit. Scary kind of bullshit. Uh, scary bullshit, but you, you have to understand the game that's being played here. And the game that's being played is PR. It is what, mm, we, yeah, are, yeah. what we are visually seen to be. If he What the company is seen to be. It's the reason fucking what's-his-name from Hollywood got away with shit. Weinstein right? for so long. Yeah, because no one said anything. All right? This guy said something. Let's do the backstory to all of this, right? For the last 10 years, Google has spent, I think it was something like $650 million on doing these Soviet-style mandatory re-education programs along the lines of unconscious racial bias training, things like that, toxic masculinity training. They've been doing this for 10 years, spent hundreds of millions of dollars, and then they did an internal study to see what impact these, basically, it's kind of like positive discrimination type you know, uh, you schemes, right? What impact wait, has it had? Wait, and the answer is it's had no change. It hasn't affected change at all. The makeup, the racial demographics, the gender demographics of Google are the same they were 10 years ago. The upper echelons, it's still the same white 
male, pale, but, whatever faces. Another thing that this internal study uncovered, the, the whole point of it is to try and be more inclusive, more racially diverse, and yada yada, right? What the fear is, this hasn't been proven yet, but the evidence is kind of suggesting that what's happened at Google is there's now been a balkanization of the company where employees are now segregating themselves along racial gender lines. Like, do you know what I mean? They're finding categories. Find, they're putting ways themselves. ways to segregate themselves. Exactly. And there's like, a, the fear is, is that all, the, all Google's done is made their own employees have a sense of distrust and resentment amongst themselves for one another. But why, why do you want like sort of rough people from the inner city coming and working at your office? Once they might like nick your stuff. Be- beat you up. <laughs> Uh, there's a, like a underground economy of staplers because they own yeah. them all. No, because when you create a huffing st- tipex, when you create a standardized system at a certain age, you can then offer them up the idea that you want to specialize in something else. What I am saying comes back to what your the ultimate point of this is: if you want to create that and you want an external system like Google, who are bigger than fucking God, all right. If they want to implement change, they can't do it internally. They have to do it externally. They have to then give money to bursaries, to people that want to train in, like, train, not train people. Do you know what? I think James Damore actually suggested this in his memo. As like, because basically what Google... You you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, but what what Google executives did was after this internal study was revealing that basically nothing's really changed after 10 years of this, they basically asked... They asked their employees to brainstorm and to come up with explanations, possible theories and ideas, and to spread it around amongst themselves and to talk about it amongst themselves. So James Damore did what his higher-ups told him to do, but he emotionally upset some people with it. And again, an internal memo became public. An internal memo becoming public in politics is fine, all right? But an an internal memo in a private company which is that embarrasses it yeah again extrapolating thought to what do we need to do all right you're gonna have like people going like i don't want to say anything until i have you the ceo in a room because then i know it can't get out and be misinterpreted because i've got the information straight to the source google were trying to cultivate this culture of we're all on the same level your opinion counts as much as the mds the managing directors but that's the thing all right Obviously as, not true. No, but. no, I mean, yeah, it won't be true, all right? But as much as anything, they are a PR company to sell themselves. Google isn't anything unless people know who Google are, all right? If they can't sacrifice someone on something that is so inconsequential to them, they're not in the public eye. They're not in the PR game, all right? If they can't turn around and go like, uh, we're going to sacrifice this person. Oh, by the way, we've been doing these type of thoughts. Their ultimate goal is people to think about the thoughts they were thinking, not this person, this yeah. one errant thought person. Well, they only fired him. They 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 made James Damore an unperson at Google because it got out into the press and it became a bit of a firestorm and there was a real wild mis- misinterpretation of what he actually wrote. How did it come out into the press? It was leaked by another Google employee under the guise of, oh my God, can you believe this piece of shit? Because Google's I, a really, I would, I would say far left in their kind of think, their world view that they're trying to impose on their employees. Again, I would like to know it's who, radical left-wing. who leaked it at Google. 
Some employee that was offended. Some employee. I truly believe that employee is probably ma- somewhat, in management. Yeah, in management, yeah, upper up, a uh, higher up, because, looking to use a PR campaign to make them look good. Oh yeah, true. because Maybe, they're doing uh, something. Because um, in James Demore's lawsuit. Yeah. which goes to what you're saying here. He's shown evidence like emails, like Google has its own internal direct messaging kind of system. And it has the equivalent, like kind of like a Facebook group. Do you know what I mean? Like all different ones. Yeah. But people have like, they're public. Some of them are private. What have you? Blah, blah, blah. Kind of quite high up manager. After this media firestorm came out about James Damore, he was posting publicly on boards that every employee could see. If I see James Damore, I'm going to punch him. I hate, if you think like James Damore and you work for me, you need to resign right now. If I find out that you agree with this guy, blah, blah, blah. This guy was posting this shit publicly. And James Damore ultimately was saying the system that Google is trying isn't working. Exactly. So, of course, he's going to turn around and go like, ah, what James Damore is saying is women aren't working. Not the system Google employed to get more women in work isn't working. Yeah. James Moore is saying women aren't working. He Ignore was, the um, word Google at the start of the sentence. He was Kathy Newman. He was misrepresented. Like, he even showed evidence. Like, there's even evidence in his lawsuit, right? Google, Google have created a culture that's extremely anti-straight white men to such an extent that when the mostly male and pale heterosexual executives and managers come walk into a like a company town hall or what have you like the audience will actively boo and jeer them now google's various codes of conduct if you will like that are desperately trying to avoid what are called microaggressions where you you are you offended someone, you emotionally upset them, but you didn't mean to, and it was actually kind of innocuous, and they're really just, they're, they're turning a, a molehill into a mountain, and they're trying to get you fired over it. They tried to destroy any possibility of that happening within their company so much, right? But unfortunately, they didn't have the sense to specify that straight white men are excluded from all of this. In, in, in other words... They should have made it official that you can talk shit about straight white men in their, like, mission statement. Yeah. Because what's happened now, James Damore got fired last year. Uh, An ex-Google employee has come out now to the press and said, I've just recently been fired from Google because I offended straight white men. Wow. It was like a member of the LGBT community uh-huh. and was just basically talking trash about how straight white men are ruining the ruiners of everything and blah, blah, blah. Right? And then they got fired and they're really upset about it. So it's like Google's come full circle in terms of insanity, where like the people they were trying to protect and promote and to rise up from the company, they're now firing because well, they created a culture of hate in their own company. Well, if not hate, division, you know, it's... It's like this. Yeah, it's a better word. You used you used the term LGBTQ or LGBT. Plus. What I mean, it's on the surface that 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 seems like oh, it's an inclusive thing. But by saying you're this, you're that, I'm this, you're this, it separates people even more. And like you say, it creates this. If, if Google's having that, there's there'll be no cohesion in that company. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. Increased resentment polarization but ultimately what i'd be interested in and probably what google's executives are interested in is has this affected their bottom line at all let's look at the google share price i don't think it's really been affected by this this plonker in court 
you know it's just it's or even like and all this all this talk all this discord and trouble in google and you know people eyeing each other viciously over the water cooler it's all basically done on their internal twitter and email thing it's such an inconsequential insubstantial it thing will, it will spill out into the real like what happens online usually spills out into the offline world well i think it's what happens online is just a reflection of, of what's happening dialed up to 11 i think i think from us at ill inform insight i think ultimately we need to ask ourselves do women count do men count in creating new vistas of online technology because we're, we're looking at the idea of yes one woman said it and got away with it and then a guy said it and didn't there's that double Do, standard yeah yeah is it double standard but also ultimately can we move past that and say can we say women are as versatile in the online technologies uh the coding technologies as men i don't think and, it- and, and from my perspective i think yes but they look at it from a different perspective yeah, and the rest is politics. I don't think there will ever be 50-50 gender parity. I don't think you're going to have 50% of Google engineers and men, 50% of women. I don't, like, and there's no reason to think that should be the case. Like, Even if, if you created from scratch a society that was 100% egalitarian... 50-50 on everything, choose yeah, your way. ...didn't treat boys and girls differently in any manner whatsoever, you would not have gender parity 50-50 on anything. You wouldn't expect to see it, even in that world. Do you think you think it'd be a disaster? Equal- you think equality is maybe forcing a point that isn't there naturally? What we've done is we've conflated the idea of equality, which used to mean removal of structural barriers. That's what equality used to mean, so that everybody had the same the same chance in the sense that there wasn't things actively open to them. Yeah, and that you weren't being actively blocked. Like, people start from different positions. Yes, that's true. But you can, like I said earlier, you can get people who started at different places to roughly the same spot as long as you remove the structural barriers. But what you shouldn't ever do is expect that everybody everywhere from the same, all completely different backgrounds, all different genders, they should all be exactly the same. I think... I think this is more of a comment on utopianism. It is. The idea that we're all destined to be all perfect and all the same. But what we're, what we're talking about, really, without we haven't mentioned the phrase yet. Ooh, Ident- what is the phrase? Identity politics. We're like Google, what they're doing, they're like almost a kind of perfect microcosm of why I don't like identity politics. They're balkanizing. They're taking people who, who are like-minded in the sense that they like Google, they like software engineering, and yet identity politics is taking a wedge and driving it between these like-minded people along the lines of like we have different skin color we have different worldviews, and now these two people that did used to like each other that shared the same interests there's resentment there and it's going to be there like almost forever the problem is in modern open businesses and in inverted commas you have the idea that we are all painted with the same brush no one no one trades with each other we all are you can't be like a a western a white people uh, a white people coming in somewhere and trading trading An with exchange the, yeah trading with the raj we will give you our technology and you will give us access to some of your resources yeah, yeah, yeah. or you will give us a cut price a portion of your people to help us with our something like that like there is no trade anymore no free it is, exchange it is you either are or you aren't there's no exchange of ideas anymore. No, you you can't be a Welsh person, all right, and seen as working towards a greater goal for a united kingdom. You have to be, I am Welsh. 
I'm proud. And I am proud, and I fucking hate them. I hate not, the English. Yeah, not, I am Welsh, I am proud, and I work in an industry that doesn't actually have borders. Do you know what I mean that by identity politics? Like... I know. I, know. I don't want to. The, the, the idea is like I don't know who I am, so I have to identify as something that Everyone someone has ha- to do that. that someone else has given me these criteria. I don't actually meet all of them, but I meet enough of them, so I must be that. It's it's kind of like I mean, like everybody has to identify as something. Is, do to you? do that is to be human. Do you? Otherwise, do you? it's like you don't have a real connection to your the universe you live in. But my but, point is, like, some people get upset when identity of politics get gets attacked right it's become a kind of popular in certain circles generally that's people that don't have an identity everyone i think everyone does but anyway my point being they used to be like i respect the fact you couldn't have the neo-progressive movements of the 60s and 70s like the black civil rights movements things like that women equality you couldn't have that without identity politics existing as a prerequisite problem is i think it's different now it's like people are using identity politics as a weapon to attack what they perceive as the other whereas like 60s and 70s it was about bringing people together who were different now it's about tearing each other apart again there's no unified idea that we're working towards something it's just if we scrap and we fight hard enough the person that is strongest and the one that has the most identity or belief in something is the right person. And they are the one floating alone in the universe. And they are right. Dominance. Is that yeah. kind of... Yeah. Dominance doesn't work. All right. Tim hasn't said anything. Last word. I think you're all wrong. <laughs> I might say something else there. I'd say there's, there's, there's been... A, like I'm not saying we've gone in the wrong direction. Because you, you talk about moving society forward. And things always have to progress and progress. And sometimes that means like, it feels like it's sort of forcing people to do things that they don't want to do. Specifically, I'm talking about women into like computer programming roles. You know, they might just naturally not be that into it. And what's the point of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? I don't like the way some women are like, oh, these women who chose to become stay-at-home mothers. This sort of sneering, dismissive phrase, like... Like they fucked up the cause or something. Like gender politics then comes back to one rudimentary idea. Well, you no, but you talk about the stay-at-home mother, okay, whatever. But she she stays at home because there's a guy out working, and that guy might be the most highly skilled professional person in the world. But it is he can't fucking operate as a human being in his private life, you know. And he he wouldn't be able to operate. He wouldn't be able to feed himself or look after himself without. He's this, not got a sub woman. 70 IQ, has he? That's what I mean. It's like sometimes you get this <laughs> tremendous sometimes you can get this well, you never know. You never know. Yeah. You get this you get this tremendous synergy when when these when these two opposing forces work in unison. All right, enough talk about the touchy and controversial subject of racial identity politics. Let's just take a break from all that jazz and relax with some movies. Oh, fuck, it's Black Panther. I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hola. Let's go, go, go. We are home. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. 
you get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. So directed by Ryan Coogler, who did Creed. Oh yeah, Creed. Also with um, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) starring Chadwick Bosman. Is that his name? Bosman. Bosman. Michael B. Jordan, Martin Freeman, and Andy Serkis. T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, rises to the throne in the isolated, technologically advanced African nation, but his claim is challenged by a vengeful outsider who was a childhood victim of T'Challa's father's mistakes. So not, this not is not really a mistake. Oh, plot spoiler. <laughs> so this is uh, Black Panther, the uh, brand new Marvel esque movie, and I think Marvel esque. Yeah, because it's not really interconnected with the rest of the movies. It is almost a standalone. I mean, okay. I'm talking out of the side of my arse here, because Tim is the only one that's seen this movie. I <laughs> have only read the comics. Of which I'm sure there are many. If you like Black Panther, you'll, you'll love this film, if you've been a fan of the comic for years. And you are certainly a f- fan of the character. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a fan of you know Marvel characters in general, so... Say I've never seen anything to do with Black Panther, which is true, yeah. I think. Yeah, you'd... You, you, it's it's a great jumping in point. It does feel a bit standalone. It doesn't tie into the sort of overarching Infinity Stone story. You don't see any of, of them in that. No, no, no Thanos. Because because to be honest with you, it, it was it was hyped as something more than a film. And even the people who have made the film have referred to, referred to it more as a, a a movement as well as a movie. And um, I just really enjoyed it. What I went in expecting mostly because of the hype and marketing surrounding this film would be some sort of like kill the whitey <laughs> you know this is like you know black black power black power no there wasn't it, it doesn't it actually has like really positive messages behind it and even the the sort of political side of it because there is it's 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 it's, it's fundamentally positive it's it's like tr- truthful westerners aren't referred to as westerners way, or though. europeans yeah. they're referred to as colonialists a couple of times okay yeah and that's that's that was the only the only hint of anything i could get what like the way the amish call everyone who's not amish english yeah yeah um and the, the, the other cool thing was the sort of antagonist of the film killmonger killmonger michael b jordan he was a villain you could really get behind <laughs> you, you could understand his <laughs> rationale and like I'm was he gonna, a sympathetic character? i'm not gonna spoil it it's sort of sympathetic but you know the cool thing about this film unlike a lot of marvel films things happen in it that you don't expect to happen at certain points and um where it establishes him as a really strong character someone you can imagine leading the avengers after captain america dies if, if captain america dies oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. it's 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 really good I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'ma burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. The, the interesting thing about this film, he, he is, it's not like he's because what Tony what, Stark? What? He's not. He's not just some like rich, super high tech. He's a king guy. Right? He's a king, and it has this whole sort of. So it's a feudal. Wakanda is like yeah. a feudal system. Techno, is, techno, well, it's, it's, when it comes down to it, it's, like, it's, it's, it's super feudal because basically, you know, if you're like blood, you can, cha- you can challenge. You can challenge the king. Oh right, it's not okay. Right, you, oh, yeah. you know, beat the king. But is there a you're lineage? The like, huh? is there a normal lineage? Because yeah, his yeah, yeah. dad died, right? T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, his dad died, right? Yeah. And now he's king. Yeah. And so Wakanda is 
Well, it's, it's it's a completely sort of isolated ethno state, really. They don't they they've sort of because because they found this source of vibranium from this meteorite. They've they another they, Marvel MacGuffin. I mean, yeah, no, because I mean, they didn't is, want. Is it a Marvel MacGuffin or is it more like a looking back at the idea of uh, like diamonds in Africa or gas in Russia, like yeah. a symbol of fact. Africa's resource rich. Yes. No, what it really was is like Wakanda is just basically like a landlocked Atlantis. It's, it's a mythical, magical place. So like no one knows where it is kind of thing. No one knows where it is. But the idea of the, the nation of Wakanda is seen by the outside world as basically like a sort of fourth world, very unimportant, surrounded by a sort of hologram and a wall. Did you enjoy each of the actors playing the roles they were given? Yeah. Like, um, casting-wise, is it good? Casting-wise, it's excellent. Like I say, uh, the most compelling character is, is is Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. The antagonist, the bad guy. Yeah, because, like, Chadwick Boseman does a good job, but he's sort of, like, in the middle of everything that goes around him. You've got, like, really strong performances from everyone, really. From the Andy trailer, Circus is, 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 isn't in it as much as I'd he's like. He's also a bad guy, right? Yeah, but he's, he's very entertaining with what he does. And... Um, so is um there's like Chadwick Boseman Boseman is he like from the trailer he looks like kind of stoic king do you know what I mean always yeah. calm kind of yeah he's 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 sort of similar like I was saying to Captain America in that respect you you, you can sort of you sort of assume that he he'll make the right choices the other the, the, you know the, the there's a very strong uh, female presence in the film and um, <laughs> their names at the every... moment of the actresses but they've got some really good roles as well yeah re- everyone does a really good job there's there's no weak link in the chain it's a really enjoyable film like like, like talking about you, you know it's a marvel movie but it, it doesn't feel like too much like a marvel movie really until the last third of the film because tonally before then it, yeah tonally before then it, it, it sort of has a feel of like James Bondy sort of stuff in terms of this amazing tech, and also it's sort of shakes not Shakespeare. It's not of the level of Shakespeare. Well, like princes stabbing, yeah. Each but other it, but and... it's more about these sort of loyalties and responsibilities, and the fact that it, the nice thing about this film, why it's why it's a good film, why it works as a film, is when it does get into this third act, when it all kicks off, and you know there's going to be this huge, right. you know, hoedown. Everyone's going at it. You actually are invested in all the different fights that are going on because you you know the characters, you understand why they're doing it and they're a bit conflicted, but they're still doing it. And, oh, that um, is different for Marvel. Like, it's, it's character really motivation. Well it's really, it, was, it was really good. It has humour in it. It has does have humour, but it, it, overall, it you know... I was going to say, tonally, Marvel films are normally like, they're yeah. kind of too humorous and they lack tension. Yeah, but with this one, I, I feel like because the way it was hyped as a sort of movement as well as a movie, it was under pressure just to be like solid and work as a film and be good and everyone put in good performances. And you get that feeling that everyone's trying their hardest, Talking even though it's a comic book film. But it did feel like a Marvel film when it like when it came to the last third. And there's it's like a, a, a CGI fest. Yeah, and right. like it did. I was going to say Marvel known for decent, I would say, action sequences. Yeah, there's, so the action sequences were cool, and like the, the fights were cool as well. And Maybe little, maybe the last fight, the camera was a little bit too close. There's a little bit too much. A little bit video gamey, I find Marvel. But that's the thing now. I, I, this thought entered my mind about CG. I'll be, I'll be quick, but like because CGI has, it, I think it's changed the way we we look at films now. We have to sort of lower our standards or change them a bit because it can do things like put the camera in places and make the camera move in ways it could yeah. never do naturally, or people can do things they can never do naturally. We 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 got too used to this era of like you know panavision and technicolor where everything was just what you saw was real life were there enough enough action sequences no 
No, not as many as I'd like. And the, you know, the, some you of the are, stuff you saw in the trailer would you know would be like almost a whole scene. Like, <laughs> you will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. What kind of forever? The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. <laughs> But yeah, overall, it's a very solid film. If it, for me, it's a shame it was almost too too politicised because I went in there sort of slightly trepidatious, and I was, I was pleasantly surprised because it didn't try and bash me over the head with a message. What was, any message I got from it was was really good, actually. Who would you recommend this film to? Multiracial people. <laughs> so uh, anyone, cor- anyone, ministers, anyone, anyone, any, you know, it's it's a nice solid film. It's it's a good movie. If you went into it like hoping to see like loads of sort of over the top black power stuff, you you know, so you could criticize it and call it a shit film, you'd be disappointed. Alternatively, if you went into it as a sort of black power activist, you'll probably be disappointed as well. <laughs> you know, and it is a little bit political, but it's but it's it's a surprisingly good message where you you get the whole thing of isolationism. It ultimately, isn't a good thing, and self segregation isn't a good thing. All right, you're getting two for the price of one here in terms of movie talk, folks. Tim went to see Black Panther this week. I went to see a movie called I, Tonya this week. The haters always say, Tanya, tell the truth. There's no such thing as truth. Everyone has their own truth. was the best figure skater in the world at one point in time. You call that a clean skate for Christ's sake? Do not swear in front of the kids. I didn't swear, you cunt. So directed by Craig Gillespie, starring Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, and Alison Janey. Tonya Harding became a household name after the infamous incident of Nancy Kerrigan getting kneecapped just off the ice rink in 1994. And uh, I, Tonya, weaves together the contradictory statements made by the tragic characters involved in a wildly comedic yet brutal fashion in this semi-autobiographical and sympathetic tale of the working-class girl who almost conquered the elite world of figure skating. Okay, Tom, you're the only one that saw it. Tim went to go see Black Panther. I went to work. Can you encapsulate what it is? Is it a sympathetic kneecap here? <laughs> Do they like make the kneecap like a nice fluffy thing? No, but like in fairness to Nancy Kerrigan, like she she was obviously the victim of this heinous attack and she's basically used as kind of like a punchline. Like you remember the infamous video footage of her like sitting on the ground holding her knee going, why? Why? That was used for like a laugh point in the movie. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, she's barely in it, Nancy so Kerrigan. The movie knew who its hero was. Hero in inverted commas. That's kind of what the movie's getting at. Because like I said, it's it's a weaving together of the different testimonies, things said in interviews by Tonya Harding, her ex-husband, Jeff Galuli, and his deranged pathological logical liar friend it's like everybody knows him as the bodyguard but he wasn't he's just like a guy who just like he pretended he was like this international spy and counter-terrorist expert and it's like it's such an insane story the mother seems quite a powerful character in it the true story itself that it's based on 
is right at the very limits of acceptable farce. Do you know what I mean? Of like where you you can only just about believe this actually happened. Because I understand, uh, just reading up on it, they they are almost faked up for the feel of the movie. There's points where it's like it's set up as though they're shooting, they're actually interviewing. Yeah, it's almost like. But, it, but Bre- almost breaking of the fourth wall in the sense of imagine yeah. they did the interview with the real people yeah but it's not it's the, it's the actors but it kind of cuts back and forth into this kind of like where you're seeing everything as it, told by these like this it's a mixture of it, these contradictory it adds stories to the authenticity but also adds to the hyperbole yeah it's almost kind of mockumentary yeah like in certain parts it gets like that but i mean for anyone who doesn't know tonya harding she came up in the 1980s in the figure skating world and she was from a working class background had a really rough upbringing her mother was physically abusive towards her like she was just abusive towards her in general including physical violence and when she was 15 tonya she met this guy called jeff galuli and he uh she basically like she married the first guy she fell in love with liked her and he was physically abusive towards her. Since the Nancy Kerrigan incident, Tonya Harding's reputation, her name, was obviously tainted after that. So, and this is like an attempt to present Tonya Harding in a sympathetic light. You two fuck yet? You need to see a wholesome American family. I don't have a wholesome American family. You skated like a graceless bull dyke. I was embarrassed for you. My entire life, I've been told I wouldn't amount to anything. You know what? Maybe I would. How do I get a fair shot here? We also judge on presentation. Suck my dick. So these are very visible moments. And these and these characters, these true life people lives. These actors that came in to portray them. Did they? Did it feel real? I've checked. Right, it's all available on YouTube. All of the news clips from the time, all of the footage of Tonya Harding on the rink and everything. Like, it's all still. It's all on YouTube. You can I mean, find it. You did. You did your I checked due diligence because before seeing this movie to no prep. no afterwards because afterwards, I was okay. so like I don't remember it being this fucking yeah. crazy and I don't remember the people involved being this hilariously insane. And but then you go check it on YouTube and it is. It's they were as crazy as they're portrayed in this film. Because you got Margot Robbie in it. Extremely good performance from Margot Robbie. I have to say, it was a really good performance from all of the cast. Like, I was going to say, they uh, like you check it out on YouTube, because you think, like, that nah, they couldn't really have been like that. And it, it was, all of the performances were bang on, not just in terms of they physically resembled their real-life counterparts. I mean, like... They Alice- got the mannerisms down, the voices down, to a T. I mean, Alice and Janie, yeah, I mean, like known from the west wing well sebastian stan i mean for fuck's sake known from uh captain america civil war exactly winter soldier he was really good as well the only one that was actually slightly different from their real life counterpart was margot robbie because this is an attempt to paint tonya harding in a more sympathetic light the reason why people didn't really like tonya harding in the mid 90s even though it was it was like all pinned on her ex-husband she just she lied about it afterwards she didn't go to the police and tell them tell them what she knew right margot robbie's portrayal of her is very she softened her a little bit like when you look if you go on youtube and look at the footage of tonya harding she's quite she's like a professional that had only one ideal in her head and then the world came into her 
She knew what the story was and what the right, idea yeah. was, that you want to make it so that the audience isn't really sure anymore. Like, if someone came into this film who yeah. was like, oh, I know Tonya Harding, I know that bitch, she's the one that hit Nancy Kerrigan in the knee, that kind of person. This is going to try and, like, this film is going to try and change their this, mind. And it's nuanced. But it's like, if you come into it with an open mind, you pick up on the subtle things of she has this tendency to never take responsibility for her own actions. I mean, but, like I said, she is a tragic character, Tonya Harding. She did have this really rough upbringing, and you do feel sorry for her. She's obviously a super-driven person, because despite all these hardships... Massively competitive. She could just say, sod this, do something else. No, because figure skating was her entire life. Yeah, right? she, she wanted um, it. She wanted it badly. Her mother, portrayed by Alison Janey, complete, complete total cunt. Just, like I said, physically abusive, but also psychologically abusive as well, and from a young age, too. And her mother, Tonya Harding's mother, she'd already, by the time she had Tonya, she was on her fourth husband. Gives so, you an idea of how insufferable Tonya Harding's mother is. And by the way, today, Tonya Harding has no contact with her mother whatsoever. I mean, yeah, talking of that, in the very much sense of this is filmed in a faux uh, documentary style with multiple uh, perspectives coming in. Yeah. How did that all cut together? Seamlessly. Yeah? Really well done. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like... All of it's quite well done. Like, even I, the... It, it, it didn't do you like like a pause to say like i need to ask you the audience to get on my side or they're all trying to persuade you they're the one who's telling the truth there's like three but you accounts. like them all you've got tonya harding's yeah. her ex-husband and the complete doofus what people thought was tonya harding's bodyguard but he's not that was just a bullshit lie ah, came okay up lovely three perspectives okay yeah so it's not just tonya harding versus her ex-husband yeah You've got this third lunatic, and it because because he's a lunatic, you you kind of you're relying on him to be the one really that sets the story straight, but he's completely yeah. unreliable. They're trying to prove a narrative, and he's saying anything that I say that hits on either of theirs, it must be true. Yeah, and it's it it's done seamlessly because they kind of just went. All right, fuck it. It's kind of a little bit avant-garde. There are times where it's not breaking the fourth wall, but a character will suddenly turn to the audience and do an aside and be like, "This, oh, this bit that they're saying now, that's bullshit. Like, do you know what I mean? But the all Greek three of the characters would do it. style. Exactly, yeah. But the dialogue's really good, and it's seamless in the sense that, like, it's done via back-and-forth, witty, funny dialogue. What can you tell us about Tanya Harding? I don't know a Tony Harding. <laughs> Aren't you her bodyguard? When I was a kid, did you ever love me? I made you a champion, knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. He cursed me. America. They want someone to love. But they want someone to hate. I mean, come on. What kind of friggin' person bashes in their friend's knee? Who would do that to a friend? Tonally, it's a real kind of fun thrill ride, bit of a roller coaster. The actors' performances were sucking you in so much that it it had the desired effect of like they wanted to catch you off guard. So this woman sitting beside near me, she's laughing one second and then like bang, she gets punched in the face. She's like, <gasps> Do you know what I mean? oh my god, like Do you know what I mean? Like it does it does a really good job of sucking you in, even though you know I, I don't trust any one of these fuckers. Like Do you know what I mean, but. There is an editorial. You do get emotionally invested in it. Everything is very high quality in it. Would you say it's Oscar material? Uh, I think uh, Margot Robbie is like, definitely going to get a nomination. So, I it's, think so it's between um, I, Tonya and Black Panther for this year's Oscars. <laughs> uh, Black Panther isn't it? You haven't seen Black Panther. Black Panther. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of the Ill-Informed Insight Podcast. My thanks to Tim. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for coming. And also thanks to Hyman. Pleasure to be here. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud for more completely unique, ill-informed insight. Till next time, goodbye.